I'm Bed Ross. And I'm Shukapow. And you're listening to Very Good Music, a VGM podcast. to discuss some of our favorite video game music from throughout the ages. And there's only one rule. There's no limit to the platform, the composer, the style, the system, even whether or not the game was released. We might even play some covers or some homages or some remixes, but there's only one rule. Chukapau, what is that rule? All the stuff we play on here is very good music. Hence the name of our show. Before we get started, by brief way of introduction, my name is Bet Ross. Well, that's not my real name, but that's what you guys can call me. And I have been sort of an active member of the VGM podcasting community for a while. I'm a big fan of lots of other podcasts that I'm sure I'll get into throughout the course of this show. And I have for a long time wanted to start my own show, but I wasn't sure what my spin on it would be, because there are a lot of really great VGM podcasts out there already. So what do I have to bring to the table? Well, after talking to several of my podcasting friends and uh, fans, I realized that we all have our own experiences. We all have our own styles. And a unique experience to anything else in the podcasting community is the experience of a younger gamer, somebody who is still a teenager and is just kind of starting out on his VGM journey. So I invited my son to join me, and he goes by the moniker of Shoot Kapow. So, Shoot, tell us a little about your history with gaming and your history with VGM. Well, I started gaming at a very early age, like three or something, with Super Mario Sunshine, which is the best game to, you know, be introduced to gaming with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> anyway. Um, Some people would say it can only go up from there, but I happen to really like that game. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. I started out with Mario and was introduced to the Smash Bros. series with Brawl, and um, it's amazing. I never really got into the series much until Ultimate, which is kind of weird. That's also when you kind of surpassed me, which is probably not a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you've been gaming for most of your life, over 10 years now, which is a really good chunk of your life. Yeah, I'm, I mostly started with Mario and Kirby and stuff. Then I moved on to stuff like Fire Emblem and um, some indie games like Cave Story and Hollow Knight recently. And most recently, the Mega Man series is the retro series you've really gotten into. Yes. Um, so what about VGM? Do you remember when you first started noticing the music of video games? Well, like a lot of things in my life, it sort of happened gradually. I don't think you're alone in that. Um, well, for me, I remember the first time that I really noticed a piece of video game music after I was finished playing the game, and that was Ice Cap Zone 
from Sonic the Hedgehog 3. I don't remember exactly where I was, but I remember the song popping into my head, and I started humming it, and one of my friends said, what is that from? And I said, I think it's from a Sonic game. And from then on, whenever I uh, played, I would listen to the music. So, do you remember the first game that you really noticed the music of? Probably New Super Mario Bros. Wii. I heard the overworld theme, and I'm like, that sounds good. I remember you humming that when you were younger, so you've always had a pretty good sense of pitch. Although it doesn't necessarily make for great audio, so maybe <laughs> let's, uh, let's save it for the clips. Well, the uh, piece that you guys heard introducing the show, classic, it's great for a title screen episode. I guess it's about time we talk about what the topic of this particular episode is going to be, and that's title screens. We have some ideas for future topics in mind, but not really anything set too hard in stone. And I do have a surprise I'm going to give to uh, Shukapau later in the show. But the Tetris theme from the Game Boy is what we started out with. That theme was composed by Hirokazu Tanaka, and the game was published by Nintendo in 1989. That song means a lot to me. I was a kid um, about your little brother's age when the Game Boy came out. And Tetris came with the Game Boy, of course, and I spent so much time playing that game. Actually, recently on Tetris 99, I unlocked the classic Game Boy theme, and you remember, I was so happy hearing that music <laughs> and those sound effects. Uh, just the feels, but this was this is just a, I think it's a really good theme, and it, it was a nice short theme. I didn't really want to play it in the middle of the episode. Um, I want to give people some time to sit back and really enjoy the tracks, but I thought that was a nice one to play us in today. What did you think of it? I liked the 8-bit feel of it. I liked the, like, energy, the cheery type of vibe it had to it. Well, for our uh, inaugural episode, it's sort of our title screen of sorts. What is the first track that you are bringing to the table? Alright, my introductory track is the Breath of the Wild title theme, composed by Hajime Wakai.
And we're back. That was the main title theme of The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, composed by Hajime Wakai and released in 2017 by Nintendo for the Nintendo Switch and Wii U. Wii U. Yep, the last major title, I think, released for the Wii U. And actually, that's the console that we got it on, because we weren't able to get a Switch Wii. yet, but I could not wait to play this game. Solid pick, but uh, we go from 1989 to 2017. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, like we were saying before, the show is really going to kind of run the gamut of, uh, of gaming. I do think, fair warning, that at least at first we are going to lean pretty heavily on Nintendo songs because that's where most of our experience is and I mean let's face it they just make great music but man I love the Zelda series I love it so much in fact a Zelda track may possibly appear a little bit later for the format of this show Shukapau and I are each going to bring a handful of songs plus a few extras in case we have any overlap and we're gonna try to pick a song that kind of plays off of the previous person's song. I'm sort of borrowing this format from Derek and Matt over on the VGM Lounge, because I really like sort of the relaxed way it makes the show go, and it also sort of reminds me of the way that you and I just generally chat about VGM. You were talking a little bit during while the song was playing. Tell me how you feel about this track, how you feel about Zelda in general. Yeah, Breath of the Wild and maybe Skyward Sword are the only Zelda games that I really feel like I've gotten into. I recently started playing Wind Waker, but I never really finished it. I feel like I like watching people play Zelda more than actually playing it, with the exception of Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild has a different feel from all the Zelda games. It's more like open and exploration combat based than puzzle based. For sure. The shrines keep that Zelda feel to it, and then the Divine Beasts, but it's definitely more like combat and exploration based. You mentioned that the game is a lot more open, and you mentioned during the break that you really love the music of this series, and this track in particular is really good. This is a great track. It's not my favorite track from the game, and this really isn't my favorite Zelda soundtrack. Uh, it is really good, but kind of like you said, the game is really open. The soundtrack is also really open, and I tend to like the more tightly composed, thoughtfully constructed songs from the other Zelda games, whereas this one is a lot more loose, and it's just not as much my style. It's really good, and the composition is very sophisticated. It's not like the quality isn't there. It's just not really my style. Just like it's not really your style of game to play. Well, Breath of the Wild is, but not Zelda in general. But you know what? That's okay. There's lots of gamers out there, and that's why there are so many games, so that we can all find something that we like. I am not as into the shooter genre, which you are fairly good at, at least with the ones that you have actually played. Splatoon. Splatoon, yes. <laughs> But I think we're going to move on to a game that was actually also released on the Wii U, also published by Nintendo, although it wasn't developed by them in-house. This was the game that I bought around Christmas of 2016, before Zelda came out, as sort of a, um, a tied-me-over until I could finally play Breath of the Wild. This game is Xenoblade Chronicles X, and we are going to play the title theme, Monox, M-O-N-O-X, and this game was composed by Hiroyuki Sawano.
that was Monox from Xenoblade Chronicles X, composed by Hiroyuki Sawano and released by Nintendo for the Wii U in 2015. So, what do you think, bud? That was a different kind of epic, huh? Yes, it was. I remember when I turned this game on for the first time, I knew about Xenoblade Chronicles. I knew I liked some of the music from Smash Bros. 4, Super Smash Bros. for the Wii U and Nintendo 3DS. Sorry. <laughs> and uh, I knew who Shulk was. And so I kind of had some expectations when I started this game, and they were completely sidetracked from almost the very beginning. If Xenoblade Chronicles is a fantasy series, then Xenoblade Chronicles X is sort of like its sci-fi cousin. And the, the composer, who is also pretty famous outside of the video game world, really brought a unique sound to this game. What did you notice about the instrumentation in this song? You commented on it while we were listening. Uh, yeah, it has the strings from, like, the other Xenoblade games at, like, the beginning, and then it also combines, like, a sort of rock element into it. Then it has the choir and everything else, and then, like, the drums to close it out. Yeah, it had the synth instruments sort of mixed in there, too. It was a very eclectic sound. It sort of took things from different areas. Um, did you have, uh, sort of a favorite part? Uh, you talked a little bit about the bass line at the beginning. Yeah, the bass That kind of grabbed good. your attention. And, uh, you know, it sort of... That, that was in the first minute or so, and it started feeling like, okay, well, it's sort of winding down a little bit. And then at 1.15, the choir kicks in, and the song just takes off. Uh, sort of like you, uh, partway through the game, you can take off in these giant mechs that you learn how to pilot. Oh, man, this game was so much fun. I really need to get back into it. So, what do you have for us next? All right, so, next up, I have Chrono Trigger from Chrono Trigger. The composer was the amazing... Yasunori Mitsuda. Classic choice. <laughs> All right.
And we're back. That was Chrono Trigger from Chrono Trigger, composed by Yasunori Matsuda, published by Square in 1995 for the SNES. Best console of all time. Yes. <laughs> That's Earthbound, Chrono Trigger, Super Mario World, Super Mario Kart, which started a huge, expansive franchise of racing games. Link to the Past, Street Fighter 2... Oh, uh, man. F-Zero, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, F-Zero. We need another F-Zero. Uh, Super Mario RPG. Uh, so many great games. Probably not the last SNES track we will hear today. Now, you have never played this game, unlike some other SNES games. So, why do you think this game is so meaningful to you? Well, in, like, sixth grade, I think, I started watching a YouTuber by the name of Chugga Conroy, and I started with his Earthbound Let's Play, a game that I had recently got into due to the music and the general gameplay. Then there were some other games like Woolly World, Phantom Hourglass, and then he lets played Chrono Trigger. He had a pretty extensive past with the game. His aunt got it for him as a Christmas present because it was a game that she thought he would like. So he actually got it for the DS, and a couple weeks later his family went on a trip, and he took his DS with him, and he's like, I'll give this game a try, and he absolutely loved it. So in the Let's Play he talked a lot about the music and the gameplay and stuff, and I followed that Let's Play through all the way to the end, and... Chuck Conroy has this way of making his Let's Plays feel emotional and funny at the same time. It's just the kind of person he is. And I just kind of grew to love this game and its soundtrack. Yeah, you've played this, haven't you? This is one of my favorite games. It may be my favorite traditional RPG of all time. It's, it's very, very good. It's not as long as some other RPGs. Tales of Symphonia, Final Fantasy, Dragon Quest, Legend of Heroes, Nier, Ease, a lot of other RPGs that can just go hours and hours and hours. This one is a lot more contained, and I feel like that really lets the story shine. I also like the smaller ensemble of characters in this game. It's it's a classic, and I was really, really glad when I started seeing you watching those Chugga Conroy episodes, and I watched a couple of them too, and he was really, really good. But I was excited that you and I would finally get to talk about this game because it's so great. Why this particular song for our Very Good Music episode? Because it's a title track. I did let you cheat a little bit, because this does not technically play while the title is on the screen. Still, though. <laughs> um, I mean, the title track is really just like the clock and then a short piano trill and then a drum roll. This plays during sort of the opening cutscene that's like a compilation of different scenes from the game. It's also Chrono's theme. Which is appropriate, since he's the main character. Um... This is kind of like an overture a little bit because it shows you what you can kind of expect out of the game. It really sets a nice tone. We talked about the different instrumentation and how it really fits Chrono as a character. It's bold, it's steady, it's strong, it's not too overstated, not too flashy, but it's just a good theme. Um, you said that lead instrument, which I kind of identified as a saxophone... Some of the themes there reminded you of Frog's themes. The strings reminded us of Marl, Marla, the princess, however you want to say her name. Uh, you said kind of the, the driving rhythm and the drums made you think of Ayla. I personally thought they reminded me of Robo, but I think the fact that we could read all of that into it really is a testament to Mitsuda's skill. A lot has been said about how young he was and how hard he worked on that. And so we're not really going to get into it here, but suffice it to say, this is one of the main reasons why Yasunori Mitsuda is counted among both of our favorite composers. So, let me see. What am I going to play next? Well, I think we have done a lot of uh, sort of epic orchestral things. 
I'm going to change gears a little bit. Uh, we're going to stick with the Super Nintendo. But we're going to play a different style of game here. This game also has some fond memories for me. I remember playing it with friends when I was in junior high. You have never played this game before. You might not even have heard of this game before. But we are going to listen to the title screen theme from the Super NES game Uniracers. Grab your unicycle and let's go. from Uniracers, published in 1994 by Nintendo for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System and composed by Colin Anderson. What do you think? Well, the bass line was cool, and the rhythm, I, I just kind of found myself tapping my foot here. This isn't really totally your style of music. Uh, you've never really been that much of like a rock kind of guy. I listened to a lot of this stuff growing up, frankly, and I think that your grandpa would actually kind of get a kick out of this particular song. This is a weird little sort of 2D side-scrolling stunt racer game where the player controls a unicycle. 
that is just riding along a track. And occasionally you'll go up a ramp and you can do flips and turns and twists and corkscrews and the more that you do before uh, achieving a perfect landing, the more points that you get. It's a very simple concept that led to hours and hours and hours of play between me and my friend, uh, just each of us trying to get a better score. And I don't remember the rest of the music being all that awesome, but while I was listening through and looking at games that I had strong memories with, I came across this one and I thought, you know what, this title screen is pretty cool. So what do you think? Does that kind of game sound like it might be fun to you? Uh, yeah, sort of. It sounds kind of like a racing game with its own twist on the actual concept. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool, and I, I'm, I'm almost positive it's the only game where you actually get to control a unicycle. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, they've never re-released this game, and I don't really know why, but if they ever do, um, you and I have to pick it up. Colin Anderson is not super well-known in the VGM world. I had a little bit of trouble finding more information about him, but he was one of the earliest composers for Rockstar Studios. Do you know what franchise Rockstar is probably most famous for publishing? The only thing that kind of rings a bell about this is Rockstar from Kirby 64. <laughs> oh, you're a Nintendo kid through and through. Um, Rockstar publishes the Grand Theft Auto games, ah. GTA. And Colin Anderson composed uh, the music for Grand Theft Auto 1 and 2. I don't see anything he did after that. So anybody out there who's listening, who knows a little bit more, feel free to pitch in. Not too much else to say about this track. You know, it's a rocker. It was a nice change of pace. But what do you have for us next? Next up, I feel like we should take a bit of a break from the fast-paced tracks and slow down a little bit with an ambient track, the title theme from Hollow Knight. And we have our first bit of overlap here, because <laughs> that one was also on my list. So... That's all right, though. That means I get to pick something else next. <laughs> it's funny because you and I are both currently playing through this game right now, and we're, we're about the same number of hours in, although we've taken slightly different paths. <laughs> and um, I was playing it the other day, and I, it had, I had it sitting on the title screen while I was doing something for your mom, and you happened to comment that, eh, this is pretty good title screen music. Well, I listened to it a lot. I just, like, said, this is good. <laughs> well, it is definitely very good music. It, it fits the bar for that. Well, we can save more of the talking for after the song. Let's get into it.
that was the title theme from Hollow Knight, composed by Christopher Larkin and released in 2017, published by Team Cherry, and, um, better off, Dad, Dad, wake, wake up. What, uh, what, oh, so, uh, so, what, what are we talking about? Anyway, as I was saying, uh, published by Team Cherry for multiple consoles, originally for PCs and... <laughs> nowadays ported to pretty much everything. <sighs> wow. Well, I fell asleep, not because that was a bad track, but really the opposite. It was so good at what it was trying to do that, man, I just kind of kind of zoned off. Um, yeah. When I need to go to bed tonight, I know what I'm turning on. <laughs> but, uh, okay, joking aside, wow, I have so much I could say about this, but this is your track, so I'm going to let you take the lead. All right. So, this game has sort of an ambient feel to most of it. Um, the music is, like, sort of low-key there in some of the areas. And the game itself, its introduction has more, like, the muted colors, like, sort of... A little bit of a gloomy atmosphere. It's gonna, it's subdued. Um, and Christopher Larkin, the composer, does a really good job of setting this tone of, like, this, this place... I mean, we haven't even really figured out what's going on yet because we haven't spoiled ourselves, but there's this, like, <laughs> undertone of sadness. It's like this land's best days are behind them, and we're kind of seeing what's left of the civilization. And and then you get to Green Path. Then you get to Green Path. It's just like this overgrown, bursting with life, um, not always friendly life either. Everything explodes in Green Path. Including the music. <laughs> it's it's really amazing. I know but... what I'm playing for our indie game episode. <laughs> oh man, good stuff. There's another track I thought you might play for our indie game episode that I'm interested to see if it shows up here. Alright, well, we're going to go from one night to another. And I think you know where I'm going with this. We're going to move um, back to a fast-paced track. Because of course we are. I will give you fair warning. The track that is coming up is the main theme from Shovel Knight, composed by Vert, whose real name is Jake Kaufman. For anyone here who is not familiar with Jake's work, um, he has everything turned up to 11 when he produces his music, so you might want to turn the volume down just a touch, because it's about to get real, real fast.
And as we just found out, one of many, many songs I can no longer listen to without hearing Brentlefloss's lyrics is the main theme from Shovel Knight, composed by Jake Kaufman and produced by Yacht Club Games in 2014 for lots and lots and lots of stuff. And not only that, uh, this game was one of the first uh, breakout indie hits that was kickstarted, and it in turn kickstarted a whole wave of indie game goodness. Undertale. Oh man, so much stuff, so much stuff. And the Kickstarter goals included uh, lots of bonus DLC for this game, which Yacht Club was very, very generous in pouring out on us. They basically made brand new games, each with amazing new scores by Kaufman. This really is some of his finest work and some of the finest work in all of video game music history. It is amazing. That's about all I have to say about it. How about you? Um, well, something that I noticed while playing a lot of indie games, that most of them have sort of that pixelated style to them, like, you know, 8-bit and 16-bit. Then there's games over here like Hollow Knight and Cuphead that are animated and stuff. And Cuphead has that unique style. It's, like, animated in the form of old cartoons, mm -hmm. and it apparently took a super heckin' long while to animate. <laughs> I think Hollow Knight probably did, too. And um, there are games like that that have their traditions in things like Okami and like some of the way forward games like A Boy and His Blob, um, Warrior Land Shake It, uh, games like that that are more like that hand-drawn aesthetic. But anytime you see a, an indie game that is based on that retro sort of pixelated look, um, it traces its roots back to games like Shovel Knight and Cave Story and those really retro throwback platformers. And Jake Kaufman is just a genius at marrying that retro sort of aesthetic of his sound with a lot of modern sensibilities and also really, really deep, rich knowledge of classical traditions and skill. So what do you have to follow Shovel Knight? Well, following up what you were talking about, I have the title theme from Cave Story. <laughs> well, we have just a nice little indie block here, don't we? Um, <laughs> all right, well, we'll see where I'm going to go from here, but I definitely don't want to wait any longer to listen to that. So, who composed this lovely track, sir? This was composed by Nicholas Nigren. Does it have a special name or anything, or is it just like title theme? Uh, I'm pretty sure it's just title theme. Okay, well, let's listen to the Cave Story title theme.
by Good Gamers was the Cave Story title theme, composed by Nicholas Nygren, while the original one was... Yes, the remastered version was done by famed composer Danny Baranowski, who may or may not make another appearance on this episode. We'll see. Um, the game was published in 2004 by Pixel for a variety of different consoles. Yeah, the really impressive thing about what Nicholas did with this game is uh, he basically made it himself from the ground up. Um, and a lot of other composers have done that kind of thing. Sort of like um, Toby Fox. Yeah, Toby Fox did that with Undertale. He did have a little bit of help with some of the sprite art and some of the writing and stuff. Tammy Chang. Um, but um, another one is uh, Concerned Ape, whose real name is Eric Barone. Do you know what game that I just love the heck out of that he actually made by himself? No. Before Chucklefish jumped on to help him publish it? Mm. The game is Stardew Valley. Ah. I actually, I had that on my list of alternates for this week. I don't think I see a good place for it. There are definitely some other tracks that are going to bump it off the list. And I mentioned that uh, Baranowski might show up again. He's not going to, but he will show up on a later episode because I just decided what I'm going to play next, and it is not the theme from Crypt of the Necrodancer, <laughs> which was the Baranowski piece I was going to play, and which is a phenomenal piece. But I kind of like um, the idea of what I'm going to play next. But before I get into that... Man, this theme is awesome. <laughs> yes. And it is yet another one that I can't listen to without hearing Brentel Floss's words. <laughs> you just uh, bought this game with your own money last year and started playing through it. Um, how far did you get? Hmm. Hmm. I don't really remember much. Really, I think I should pick this up again. Probably should. Was the game as fun as the music makes it sound? Uh, yeah, actually. Cool. That's always good. You get a jetpack. Ooh, jetpack. Games are always better with jetpacks. Also a gun that basically functions as a jetpack for a limited amount of time, but whatever. You know, that was the one thing missing from Breath of the Wild. A jetpack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe um, it will be in Breath of the Wild too. who knows? Man, I mean, you never know. probably just put the hookshot in. Aw, oh, Breath of the Wild with a hookshot would have been amazing. But yeah. The world was so empty, there wasn't really anything to hookshot onto. <laughs> so, Cave Story, the theme, the title theme, what do you like about it? Why is it very good music? Because it's Cave Story. There's really not much else you need to say there. I mean, the music does speak for itself in a lot of ways, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, I think another track that is going to speak for itself has a slightly similar feel to it, and it is one that I have played for you quite a bit recently in introducing you to one of my favorite retro composers. This is an NES track that doesn't really sound all that different from what we just heard. It was composed by the wonderful Naoki Kodaka, and this is the title theme from Journey to Silius.
listening to Very Good Music, a VGM podcast, and that was the title theme from Journey to Silius, composed by Naoki Kodaka for the Nintendo Entertainment System, published by the Sun Corporation in 1990. Pop quiz, Shukpao. What video game company did the Sun Corporation eventually become? Does the word Sun remind you of any other video game company? Very good, Sunsoft. That is right. Do you know why so many video game companies had soft in their title? No. Software. They were making uh. game software. But man, we're going to have to have an Aoki Kodaka episode sometime. This man, he's not as well known because he stopped making music around the turn of the century and started actually, I think, uh, teaching music. Either that or he went in the business, but I might be getting that confused with Takashi Tateshi, who composed what? Mega Man. Mega Man 2. Very good. Very good. Your favorite Mega Man. My second favorite (laughs) Mega Man. (laughs) But that's an episode for another episode. Um, And And speaking of which, this reminds me so much of Mega Man. I feel like it could have played in some kind of space-themed NES Mega Man level. It probably could have, uh, and it's funny you should mention that. Journey to Silius is, uh, it takes place in space on, I think, a moon colony. You are avenging the death of your father who is, like, exposing the corrupt government work that was going on behind the scenes or something. It's a very, very late 80s, early 90s type of story. Reminds but Mother um, 3. <laughs> of Mother 3? Yes. Yeah, yeah, there, there's some similarity there, but man, Kodaka is just so versatile. He really deserves, I think, to be up there with names like Yoko Shimura and Yuzo Koshiro. Maybe even names like Kondo and Uematsu, but maybe not that far. Mm -hmm. Uh, We can decide after we do the Kodaka episode. But, oh man, that was so, so good. Cave Story and Silius back-to-back. Um, I think we need to give our listeners a minute to pick their melted faces back up off the floor. (laughs) Well, don't bother picking your faces back up because they're about to be blown right off again. Our next track is the title theme from Mega Man 3, composed by Bun Bun, a.k.a. Yasuaki Fujita. track from Mega Man 3, composed by Yasuaki Fujita on the NES in 1990, and published by Capcom. I am so glad you picked this. (laughs) I was going to 
put it on my list, actually, but I didn't for two reasons. One is because I thought you might, because even though Mega Man 2 is your favorite Mega Man game, you really like the music from Mega Man 3. Yes, it's, like, amazing. Because you are my son, and therefore you have good taste. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely see eye to eye about the Mega Man 3 music. It is so good. But not about the game itself. Not about the game itself. But one of our episodes that is set in stone for some time during this first season is a Mega Man 2 versus 3 VGM battle, where we're each going to pick, um, I don't know if we're going to play through the whole thing, or just play, like, our favorite tracks from each game, and go back and forth. But, Yasuaki Fujita, or Bun Bun, is a great composer. It was interesting on the Mega Man series how, like, as opposed to what companies did with, like, The Legend of Zelda, Super Mario Bros., Castlevania, Kirby, Pokemon, they didn't stick with the same composer all the way through. They actually changed it up each game and kind of let their composers, of which Capcom had quite a few great composers, they let them sort of take turns. I would like to give a little PSA here. Uh, Yasuaki Fujita composed alongside... Harumi Fujita, but they are not related. They were not husband and wife. It's just kind of a coincidence that they had the same last name. That is sort of a common misconception, and um, I think that a lot of people know now, but for anybody who didn't, I did want to put that out there. Man, you mentioned this is another uh, track I can't hear without hearing Gruntelfloss's lyrics. It's actually not too true of this one, only because this is one of the first games that I played, period, in my whole life. Um, <laughs> it, it was definitely in my first ten, might be in my first five games ever. And I can't listen to this without hearing the Brunel Floss <laughs> lyrics, that's for sure. Well, you heard the Brunel Floss song first, I think, <laughs> which makes a big difference. But man, this is so good. What is your favorite part of this song? Hmm, probably the, hmm, probably sort of like the outro part with the, like, eighth notes and then just the underlying, I don't know, the, just the outro part. Ah, uh, okay, so not like the second half, but literally the end, like the outro. Yes. Um, yeah, those octave uh, reaches are really, really good, but... Man, Fujita just really knocks that out of the park with this one. Uh, it's so it's such a versatile song, and it's not really that long, but it goes so many different places, and it just sets the tone for this is a whole new Mega Man game with a whole new feel, and it's the best one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I'm kind of getting down. Okay, no whistling in the mic makes for bad audio. Um, Proto Man, though. Yeah, we're going to leave it to Proto Man. We might be hearing from Proto Man soon, not in this episode, but from another one coming up. I think I'm going to go to the Nintendo Switch. Mm. We are going to hear from a game that was just released and that you actually just purchased from the most recent entry in the Pokemon series. Pokemon Sword and Shield. This is the title screen. And I wasn't able to find specific composers for each track of this game, but the game was composed by Minako Adachi and, of course, Pokemon stalwart Go Ichinose. <laughs> Here we go.
was the title theme from Pokemon Sword and Shield. The game was composed by Go Ichinos and Minako Adachi, released for the Nintendo Switch in 2019, and published by Nintendo and the Pokemon Company. What do you think? Um... I like that sort of technological feel at the beginning, and then it just breaks into the Pokemon theme, the original like Pokemon theme, still keeping that technological feel and giving it like a rock theme. Yeah, I think it used the term technological rock, which I don't think is really a thing, but it, it fits, you know? It's a good description of this. This is the most different, I think, that the Pokemon main theme has sounded in a mainline Pokemon game, which is not too different from the way the game itself is. It's also, it's very much still a Pokemon game, but it is the most unique entry in the mainline series. I wonder if the music was as polarizing to some of the fans <laughs> as the game itself was. So I do not I do not know a lot about this particular entry. I'm not a huge Pokemon fan, unlike uh, somebody who I know and am related to who owns most of the games in some <laughs> form or fashion. I've played actually pretty much all of the generations except... Well, I actually did play some of 8 today. My little brother gave the Switch to me to finish a battle. We'll call him Caladon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was actually against a annoying tanky Clefairy with only Metronome for some reason. Okay. So and yeah, I have Gen... technically played every G generation in a way. Is Gen 8 uh, Sun and Moon? No, Gen 8 is Sword and Shield. Oh, wait. No, wait. Oh, did you say... Yeah. Did... Hold wait, on. Okay, did... so let's go through. It's red and blue. Yeah. Gold and silver. Yeah. Diamond and Pearl. Ruby and Sapphire. Okay, Ruby and Sapphire. Diamond and Pearl. Yeah. Black and White. Yeah, the best ones. <laughs> X and Y. Yeah. Sun and Moon. Yeah. And then Sword and Shield. Yep. Okay. I'm actually kind of impressed I knew all that. <laughs> <laughs> I only got one wrong. So, how is Sword and Shield really different? I know I just mentioned that, but I only know it from hearsay. You actually watch the Direct <laughs> and, <laughs> and know some of the stuff they're talking about for, like, the expansion pack and stuff yep. like that. All right. So... Starting off, I've wanted to talk about this for a while. With the first 3D Pokemon game, Pokemon X and Y, they added Mega Evolution, which was sort of a unique spin on the battles. You could give your Pokemon an item to hold to make them more powerful for the rest of the battle. And you could only use it on one Pokemon per battle, so you couldn't make your entire team just OP. And they just kind of had that to where you wouldn't be able to give your Pokemon other held items, so they wouldn't be super powerful like a Mega Blaziken with leftovers. <laughs> and then they came out with Gen 7. This had a really unique thing where the sort of gyms were replaced with totem Pokemon battles, which were basically just stronger Pokemon, which could call on other Pokemon to help them, and they had certain like, special abilities to like raise their stats or lower yours. And basically the gym badges, quote-unquote, that you got were Z-Crystals, which you could give to your Pokemon to hold, and they would be able to use a super powerful Z-Move. And that was kind of that generation's spin on the Mega Evolution. You could only use it once per battle, so it was a little bit less overpowered, but still. And then they combined the Mega Evolution and the Z-Moves into one thing with Generation 8. In Sword and Shield, there is a special feature called Dynamax, where you can make your Pokemon super big and tanky and stuff for three turns, and they got these moves called, I think they're just called Max Moves. Basically, stat moves were Max Guard, which is basically like Protect or something, I think. There were some other things, like Max 
water or something. I haven't really played much of the game. I've just watched Caladon play it. Okay, well, you were talking about how they uh, have, like, Galarian forms of Pokemon. So this this is something they started in Gen 7, right? Where they had, like, yeah. new forms based they on the region. They had Alolan forms, like Alolan Vulpix and Ninetales, which were ice types instead. Alolan Marowak, which is a ghost and fire type instead of ground and fire. And then, and, a, um, then that Alolan Pikachu that's like a zombie, right? Alolan Raichu. Wait, yeah, Alolan Pikachu was actually a new Pokemon called Mimikyu. Oh, okay. Then there was Alolan Raichu, which is a surfer or something. Gotcha, okay. It's a psychic type now. Okay, I'm actually glad that it wasn't just like a, a zombie Pikachu. <laughs> that would be weird. Um, so yeah, I've seen some of the Galarian forms. They look pretty cool, that uh, that duck Pokemon that like turned into a knight. Uh, Farfetch'd? Is that what his name is? Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay, I actually then... haven't heard of the Galarian form of Farfetch'd, but that sounds interesting. Yeah, he looks he looks cool. I think that the regular form carries, like, a stick, and the Galarian form actually carries what looks like a lance. <laughs> so mm. it's kind of cool. Some of these these uh, British-looking Pokemon look, look pretty cool. Um, but you mentioned that even some of the legendary Pokemon have Galarian forms. Um... Well, actually, I was kind of mistaken on that. The January Pokemon Direct in 2020 released, well, announced, two expansion passes that would be coming out later in the year. And this is instead of, like, a new version of the game, like they usually yeah. do. They're gonna they, expand, which they made I it, really like this. Yeah, better. they elaborated on the unique feel of this game by giving them expansion passes, where instead of having to start an entirely new game, you could keep your progress while also getting That's to explore cool. these new areas. And with the second one, known as the Crown Tundra, they added a cave or something, or caves where you could like catch all of the legendary Pokemon from each of the generations and this is huge because it means that you can have Qrem and Reshiram and Zekrom in Gen 8 because they're the wow. best ones from the best generation. <laughs> and not coincidentally the generation that you played first. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I did, I did really like there. Black and White. I think the only ones I've ever really played more than an hour of are Platinum and Black. So um, well, We have White. Black's the one I want. Because it oh, has... you have black two and white two. Yeah, okay, black then, yeah, two, white, white two, and white. Well, I can't keep all these dang Pokemon games straight. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, we've been we've been going on for a, a little over eight minutes now. So, um, <laughs> for those of our fans who are not um, super into Pokemon, what do you have for us next as your final track of the night? All right, decisions, decisions. <laughs> There's two that I really want to play. You know, I think I'm gonna save the other one for an RPG episode. Um, the next one I'm going to pick is the title theme of Earthbound, released (laughs) on the SNES and composed by Hirokazu Tanaka. I somehow did not think that we would get away from this episode without hearing this one. (laughs) Very strange, but also very wonderful. Yes. Well, here we go. Wait a minute, this isn't Mario, this is Earthbound. Uh, say Fuzzy Pickles! (laughs)
that was the title theme from Earthbound, released in 1994, published by Nintendo, and made by HAL Laboratory, for the SNES, composed by Hirokazu Tanaka and Keiichi Suzuki. Man, that song is all over the place, but man, it's good. <laughs> um, and who introduced you to this game? Um, actually, you, RJ, and Chuck Conroy, sort of. <laughs> but me first, because yes. this is like my favorite SNES game. I love this game so much. Uh, it's the only RPG that I've beaten multiple times. I think Chrono Trigger I've actually only beaten once, but I saved close to the end so I could go back and do like different endings and stuff. At the, um, uh, at the current time, I'm actually playing through this for like the third time. Oh, this game is so good. So good. Yep. I, I think it's safe to say that, that it's the mother franchise, despite you having only played, well, you have played two titles now. I've um, actually played all three. Oh. I've only beaten that's right, Earthbound. That's right. But I think this is probably your favorite franchise, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. It's One super good. It's super good. Alongside Smash Bros. and um, probably Mario. Yeah. You gotta make room for Mario. <laughs> um, Galaxy 2 is amazing. <laughs> Galaxy 2 is amazing. Uh, but man, this is really... Uh, I don't know what to say about it. The intro theme is not my favorite piece in the game, but it's the only one we can play on this episode. <laughs> um, but it's really, really good. You guys will be hearing more Earthbound in the future. Uh, Hip Tanaka is one of my favorite composers. Keiichi Suzuki actually is not a video game composer. He was a popular music artist in Japan who was brought in to help Tanaka on this game. And he is probably responsible for a lot of the more like bluesy elements, uh, things like the Runaway 5, stuff like that. This intro is kind of similar to what we did with Chrono Trigger. The the weird part that Tsukapawi warned you guys about is actually a title screen, but the well really the title screen is just ba ba da 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 this game's actually kind of similar to Chrono Trigger in a few ways. Yeah, in a few ways. But we just spent seven minutes talking about Pokemon, so we're not <laughs> going to go into that right now. Instead, we are going to go to my final track of the night. I promised you more Zelda, and more Zelda you shall have. This is maybe not my favorite Legend of Zelda intro, but you know what? Maybe it is. They're all so good. This yeah. one, though, is very different. It's got a nice Celtic flavor to it. The Legend of Zelda, The Wind Waker. Thank you. 
right, my friends, put down your dancing shoes. <laughs> that was Title from The Legend of Zelda The Wind Waker, released for the Nintendo GameCube in 2002, published, of course, by Nintendo, and also remade in HD for the Wii U. Yep, a few years ago. Uh, that's the version that you and I played through. Well, I played through and that you started. Your sister actually played more of than you did. <laughs> well, I, um, I got to... I got past the Forsaken Fortress That's in Dragon good. Roost Island. That's good. You heard Dragon Roost Island. You heard the best song in the game, so... Well, <laughs> or maybe the Ocean Song. I actually got past, like, the Deku Tree area. She never played through that. Okay, well, then I guess I was wrong. <laughs> but man, oh, I love this. The composers for this game were Kinta Nagata, Hajime Wakai, Toru Minigishi, and the legendary Koji Kondo. I do not know who specifically composed this track. You can find specific track listings for a lot of games, and even some Nintendo games, but for a lot of Nintendo games, it's actually a little bit tough. If I had to guess, based on things I have heard from like super serious podcasters like the Super Mercado Bros, who know a whole lot about music and can recognize different styles and everything, and from what I'm, I've heard in other Zelda games, I would probably guess Toru Minigishi, who is a really, really strong modern Nintendo composer. I love this theme. It's very, very Celtic, which I've always felt like the Zelda series had some sort of echoes in. But this is the first time the music really had that feel. And you mentioned while we were listening that you really love it too. They can't hear you nodding on the microphone. I know. <laughs> you said that it, uh, it, you thought it fit the opening cinematic really well. Yeah. And what time signature is this in? 6-8. Yeah. Yep. 6-8 time. And uh, you talked a little bit about your own composition um, and how you've only composed in 3-4-1 time for a fanfare, but you, you do compose. I also do a little bit of composing on the side, and we have been very heavily inspired by our love of video game music, which we were happy to share with you today. Before we get going, I wanted to spring my little surprise on Shoot Kapow, and that is that we are going to take turns picking topics for episodes. And since I picked the topic for today's episode, you get to pick the topic that we're going to be exploring next week. So what would you like to do? Hmm. Uh, I'll get back to you on that. Okay. If I may pose a suggestion, this is not my idea because you just mentioned it to me, I did warn our listeners up front that we were probably going to listen to a lot of Nintendo tracks, because that's where our experience lies. But you asked if we were ever going to do an episode of songs from games that we've never played. And that might be a good opportunity to explore some stuff that is outside of that realm. Now, were you talking about songs that we already know, but from games we've never played? Yeah, sort of. Or maybe, like, looking into new songs from games that we've maybe heard of before, but haven't really thought about listening to the music from. Hmm. Or maybe both. For some reason, it reminds me of Cuphead, but I've played that game before. Yeah, you have played Cuphead now, so you can't pick it. <laughs> have you actually played Cuphead any Chrono Smash. Trigger yet? No. So you technically could pick another Chrono Trigger track. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm going to do just that. See, you have me a little more of a disadvantage here, because I've played a lot more games than you have. <laughs> But there's still so many games out there that neither one of us has played. So I guess you guys will find out next week what Shukapawi picked for next week's episode. Where can our good listeners find you online, son? Um, well, I mostly do some composition and arrangement on a website called Flat.io. 
My profile is Lloyd Irving for Smash, and it will change when Lloyd Irving gets into Smash. Play Tales of Symphonia, folks. <laughs> well, I don't know if it's going to happen in Ultimate, even with six more fighter passes coming out. As of time of recording, this is Saturday, January 18th, 2020. You may not be hearing this until partway through 2021, uh, so some of our references may have been kind of dated. Rest but, in peace, Flash. Yeah, bear with us. We will be slowly catching up to the modern day. But you can find me in some places. I don't really know. I have been very involved in social media for a while. I know that I have recently gotten into Discord and have started making some connections there, where my username is Bedroth. And I am on YouTube also. Uh, we have a channel there called BGM Very Good Music, where we're going to post the playlists for each of our episodes, and we invite you to go there and comment um, in lieu of another place to do that right now. Um, as time goes on, we'll probably try out some more stuff, but for now, that's where you can find us. Do you have any parting words before we get into our playout track? Well, around the time of this video's release, I'll also probably be starting a YouTube channel under the name of Shoot Kapow, and I'll mostly be doing Let's Plays and probably some gameplay like Mario Kart games or Smash Bros and stuff like that. I might also be posting under my uh, own channel with uh, some of my own compositions and things like that, but we will we will see. We will see where the time takes us. As our playout track, I am going to play you a game that was very special to me back when I was in college. I still had a Super Nintendo, and um, I found a game at a local... It might have been a GameStop. It might even have been a store that existed before then, like, game spot or something like that, but I found this game with your mom, and uh, one of the only games that your mom will play with me is Dr. Mario, because mom is not a big-time gamer. Um, I also really like Tetris, and your mom likes it okay, and so we bought the combo pack, um, or two-in-one game, Tetris and Dr. Mario. For the Super Nintendo, we are going to play as sort of a nice um, sort of counterpoint to our intro from Tetris on the Game Boy. We are going to play the main title from Tetris and Dr. Mario for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System, published by Nintendo in 1994 and composed by the quirky and wonderful Kazumi Totaka. Have a good night, everyone, and until next time, I have been Bedros. And I have been Shukapal. We'll see you next week. On the, on the radio. <clears throat> His aunt got it for him as a Christmas present. <laughs> also, you said goodnight, but it could also be afternoon or morning or whatever. Uh, bear with me. It's a podcast, I know, but it's night right now. In fact, you need to go to bed. All right, yeah. D goodbye, folks. Bye. That's all, folks. <laughs> <laughs>